Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works in social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Mari Smith, and we're going to explore how to use Facebook to build a loyal community. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us so you don't miss any of our future content. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Mari Smith. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Mari Smith. If you don't know who Mari is, you've got to know who Mari is. She's the leading Facebook marketing expert and author of the book, The New Relationship Marketing. Her course is called Facebook Organic Marketing Masterclass. And Mari, welcome back to the show. My gosh, for the 11th time. Oh, that's incredible. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. I feel like an old timer. <laughs> well, you know what? We've been around for a little while, so I'm super excited to have you back for number 11. And today, Mari and I are going to explore how to develop communities on Facebook. And Mari, there's been a lot that's happened since the last time you've been on the show. And I want to just start with, there's a lot of people listening to this show that might not be focused on Facebook as much as the other social platforms these days, right? Maybe mm -hmm. they're attracted more to Instagram, or maybe they're more interested in what's going on on YouTube or TikTok or even Twitter lately. So what do you want to say to marketers when it comes to why they ought to focus on Facebook and especially for developing community? Gosh, you know, it's really easy to get discouraged on Facebook if you're listening to the wrong people <laughs> or the wrong, you know, conversations and just thinking that Facebook's over and Facebook's dead and dying and it's it, it got all these troubles. But we've got to remember it's still absolutely the number one social network in the world. 
And there's an awful lot that we can do as marketers to get free reach, free exposure, engagement, and generating real business results, driving traffic leads and sales. And on the, the latest earnings call we have as of this time of this recording, Q3 2022, is that Zuckerberg said, Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Meta, that on Facebook specifically, the number of people using the service each day is the highest it's ever been. Nearly 2 billion and engagement trends are strong. Now, on the Meta family of apps, 3.7 billion, and they're absolutely continuing to grow. There's 2 billion on Instagram monthlies and 2 billion dailies on WhatsApp. And so, you know, North America, by the way, just FYI on WhatsApp, North America is now the fastest growing region. And then on Reels, uh, there's now more than 140 billion Reels plays across Facebook and Instagram each day. But we should just qualify that because a video view is three seconds and a Reels play is one millisecond. Wow. So they're not really comparable. <laughs> but we should say that, but but a reel, there's a good chance that you're going to watch a reel for more than a millisecond. I mean, let's be intellectually honest. Once you get into reels, which is where I tend to watch them on Facebook over Instagram, you can get sucked in and be there for a while. I know, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And Zuckerberg said that's a 50% increase from six months ago. Reels is incremental to time spent on our apps. And of course, another reason for marketers, of course, it's absolutely the most targeted advertising that your dollars can buy or your money can buy. And one other quick thing, and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure you have the link for your show notes. There's a great article out there by Ben Thompson. He's really renowned in the tech industry and his blog is called Stratechery. It looks like Stratechery or Stratechery. And he wrote an article not long back called Meta Myths and really drove home the point that Facebook is not dying and the evidence doesn't support that Facebook is dying. Facebook is still adding users. They've increased their daily actives and monthly active users. Granted, that was mostly in Asia Pacific for Facebook, but the US and Europe were not declining, they just went a little flat. Because you can imagine, right, Mike, how many more people is like if it's reached the masses of 17, 18 years now, it's not going to keep growing in these popular countries. Yeah, we're recording this in mid-December of 2022, and it's going to be coming out in January. And some people might be remembering that for the first time in the history of Facebook, they did miss their earnings numbers and their stock dropped a lot. But we also have to remember that you cannot have stratospheric growth forever because there's only so many people in the world, right? And Facebook has the largest platform. So if you are someone who feels like these things are dead, like everybody's focused on other things, part of it's a narrative, right? Because everybody always likes to talk about what's new and exciting. And in the early days, that was Facebook. Now it's not as exciting because it's stable. It's been around for a very long time. It's a huge company. You know, people still say email is dead. And you and I both know that is 100% not true, right? Correct. It's been around for absolute decades. So I love the fact that there are a lot of people spending a lot of time. I think that's the key metric. If people are spending more time than ever on Facebook, you know, just out of curiosity, what are they doing from your opinion? Do you think they're mostly watching videos these days, interacting in comments? What do you, what do you feel like the consumer behavior is right now on Facebook? Watching video, some short form vertical. I think the reels consumption is more on uh, Instagram potentially, but you know, every time you turn around and you look at Facebook mobile, they keep putting reels in different places. And you're right. When you said earlier, like they'd really draw you in. I keep saying, oh, I'm not going to look at another one. But they have that little one second or so movement that just pulls you in. And the most cleverly done ones have, you know, tens of millions of plays. 
So that's one thing, but as we're going to get into in this chat today, uh, the groups, there are definitely a lot of activity in groups. And then there's a lot of activity. The other week, you and I were discussing that um, most widely viewed content, and there's still those massive like meme type pages with hundreds of millions of of followers and people just go there for the entertainment value, you know? And we're not just going to talk about groups just so everybody knows we're going to be talking about all sorts of different things. So don't think this is an interview just about groups because it's not. Mari, over the last year, there's been some changes with Facebook and I would love you to comment. I mean, obviously we talked a little bit about kind of like the, the vibe on the street as far as Facebook goes, but I would just love to talk about from a marketing perspective, like what is it that's changed in the last you know, year or so since I had you on the show. You bet. Just to comment on that uh, vibe <laughs> is that uh, it always cracks me up when people say, oh, you know, oh, Facebook's for old people. And that's like the real youngsters will say that and they're qualify old. Oh, anybody over 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, as an old person. But anyway, so a lot has changed in the last year. And I've been sensing, seeing, hearing, feeling for the last 12 months, this really big sea change happening. I've been talking about a lot in my keynotes and whatnot, that we as marketers, as businesses, we're moving away from this relentless and constant focus on building those proxy metrics or vanity metrics, which is the public-facing growth, the follower numbers, the, the reach, is, reach is not public-facing, but they're just getting more traction with your content, the engagement, the video views, the, the reels plays. And what we're doing is we're shifting away from that, the obsession, which we've almost been you know, indoctrinated, almost manipulated by these big tech companies. That that's the holy grail. That's what we keep having to go after. Instead, what we're doing is quietly moving towards building community, building relationships, and just building our businesses and driving real metrics, focusing on metrics that matter, the traffic leads and sales. And not like we're ignoring, we're not caring about the proxy metrics, those are important too. But I'm seeing this shift where a lot of business owners are choosing to basically kind of maintain a presence, basic presence on Facebook, and then using other channels like, uh, not channels, but products like the group, the Facebook group, and then some others we'll get into. I joke about hashtag Facebook fatigue. I think Facebook fatigue and Facebook frustration are real things. I see it a lot in my communities of just a lot of issues and challenges and you know, account shut down or ads not approved or whatever the deal is. And some of it is done by AI and you have to jump through hoops to get support. But we're here today to tell you, you know, there's ways you can use Facebook that can get you the results you want. I wonder if we could talk about this moving away from seeing content from people you follow, right? So yeah, this whole let's talk about discovery that. engine. So this was a, probably one of the biggest changes this year. And it was a direct copy, of course, Mike, you know it, from TikTok. Because one of the things that made TikTok or has made TikTok so successful is that for you, Paige, I don't do TikTok. I assume they'd still call it FYP. And they're so, so good with their algorithms. So I think it's fine that Meta was like, oh, my God, let's copy that, deploy it on both Instagram and Facebook. So what's happening is in your feed, more and more you're going to see a little bit less content from people and pages, businesses that you follow, and then more content from complete and utter random strangers and you know, pages you'd never heard of. If you're tired of that recommended content in your feed, just know that as I was looking up these stats, as of July 22, that type of content made up about 15% on Facebook and more in Instagram. And Zuckerberg was declaring it would double by the end of next year, which is the end of 2023. So you think you're seeing a lot of content that's like, how am I even seeing this? I'm not 
following this person or page, then that's going to get more. We do have the option to check out other feeds on Facebook. We have favorites, which is friends and groups and pages. And then Instagram has the, the favorites feed too. I don't think a lot of people really use that, but it is in there kind of buried. Yeah. Let's talk about the discovery engine just for a second, because anybody that watches anything on YouTube understands what this is, right? Because on YouTube, they'll show you stuff they think you're interested in, whether you're subscribed to the channel or not. We don't complain about that when we're on YouTube because we're there to, to sit back and watch either entertaining or educational or informative content. And that's how YouTube has been for quite some time. And I think that TikTok has done this with the short form video. YouTube has done with the long form video. But the challenge that we have here as marketers is, hey, if we're not creating great content, full stop, you know, there's a good chance our followers are not going to see our stuff anymore, right? And therein lies an opportunity, right, for us to really develop a super loyal community of people that really want to interact and engage with us because it's only going to get harder, it seems, if the limited amount of real estate in the newsfeed is going to shrink, right? And it's going to be seen by people that our followers, our fans don't know who they are, right? That just means it's going to be harder as for us as marketers. Thoughts on that? I agree, Mike. And the thing is, it's, it's become more difficult, more challenging because of this discovery engine that we need to have our content be even more on point, even more brilliant, even more compelling and relevant and timely and adding value and whatnot. The good news, or there is a flip side, there's a positive benefit to that insofar as our content could theoretically be recommended to people who never knew about us in the first place and end up going on to become, you know, a paying customer, which is a good thing. We're just kind of like so much of the time we're at the mercy of, you know, whatever Meta's changes are going to be. And so I, I don't know, I'm kind of on the fence if this is a good thing or not. Well, actually, no, let me insert one quick thing here. When they, it was like back in July, whenever it was, that they rolled out these new feeds and they've, they've got this area, you see it mostly on your mobile, you can get into it on desktop, but mobile, you tap, that's literally on the little menu bar, right? You tap the feeds. And I got to tell you, Mike, this is governed by how many friends you have, right? So I have almost the 5,000. I keep a little buffer for when I meet people for reals. And, uh, but I will go into like the chronological feed from France and what you get is you get bombarded with people who post way too much, right? You just go to I unfollow them, hide them, unfriend them, whatever. But it's like, I actually kind of like being in my main feed and just taking potluck, whatever Facebook's going to serve up to me. I'm like, oh, okay, that looks interesting. That looks interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know me better than I know myself. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with you. I think that the AI algorithms have done a decently good job showing stuff that's good, right? That will keep someone on platform because that's the goal, right? Facebook wants you to stay on platform so they can show you more ads and that's really it. You're not leaving the platform. It's Hotel California. You're welcome, but you can never leave, you know? I mean, you know the lyrics <laughs> to that song. So, okay, yeah. let's transition from Hotel California to community side of things, right? So let's dig into what does community development mean from your perspective and how can we maybe improve our community development using Facebook? So this is something that's been such a critical part of, of building my own business over the last 16 years as a Facebook expert, is your goal, no matter where you're at in your business, right? It's your goal is to create as much trust and loyalty as you possibly can, that you want to build an audience of people who love you and love to buy from you. It starts with becoming known as the de facto trusted go-to resource for fill in the blank. 
And you do so by consistently publishing valuable, relevant content. None of that has really changed over the last decade or so. And for me personally, what has changed a lot, I would rather see quality over quantity. Some marketers might want to revisit their posting frequency this year and 2023 when this podcast airs. So it's like you might be, if your litmus test is, is your content getting much reach and engagement? If it's not, dial back the frequency. Providing stellar customer care, responding to comments and DMs as properly as possible. All of these factors I'm, I'm listing off right now go into this community development. So, so like public facing, people who are following you on your page, they'll kind of like want to follow you wherever you are. And one of those would be a group. So back to a couple other just things, you know, replying promptly, using people's first names, you know, social media examiner is really good at that. Is signing off with the moderator's first name. By the way, sidebar, a person's first name is the sweetest sounding word in their entire vocabulary. Huh. Yeah, yeah, did you know that? I did not, Maury. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Mike? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Cute. And then, so there, you, those are all like the building, foundational building blocks of community development. And so then when you have your site, hey, we're going to launch this group or whatever it is in a moment, we're going to talk about some alternative platforms for hosting community. And you're going to host this powerful community that your customers, prospects, and audience at large feel compelled to join. They're like, oh my gosh, this is really for me. So I would, so one place to do that, yeah, is a Facebook group. It's the place on Facebook for sure. And I would recommend that as part of developing your community and how you weave that into your marketing mix is you treat that group as your top of funnel. So then your call to action on a lot of your social posts and public facing on Facebook and other platforms can simply be to join your group or other community destination if you're using one. By the way, have you noticed that Facebook's really pushing sharing to groups more when you hit that share button on a public content? I have noticed that, yeah. They, they give you this big drop down of groups and they're not your own groups, they're groups that you're a member of. Let's talk a little bit about Facebook posts, okay? So if we're going to be more intentional, right? With what we post, let's just break it down. Let's start with video, right? When we're posting video on Facebook, let's talk about your thoughts and tips on the various things we can do with that to hopefully cultivate a community with that content. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So because it has changed, you know, and so short form is anything under three minutes. And one of the most critical metrics that businesses, marketers are going to want to, to keep an eye on is the retention percentage. Really critical to watch that. So for example, let's say you're posting three-minute videos, right? Two minutes and 50 seconds, whatever. And you keep watching your retention rate and it typically is dropping off, really drops off a cliff at maybe the 30-second mark. Then I would recommend shortening your videos. Try posting 45 to 60 second videos instead, because then the Facebook algorithm is going to go, wow, that's much bigger completion than if people are dropping off a 30 seconds of a three minute video. A really, really hot tip that your listeners might want to try for themselves is instead of using the native reels tool on desktop or mobile, there's Meta Business Suite or Creator Studio, try posting a vertical video just as a main feed video, regular feed video, as if you were posting a landscape video or whatever, but it's a, it's a regular feed video that's vertical, nine by 16, and it is up to three minutes. The thing is, it's got to be very compelling content with that good retention rate. It's got to be something that people want to lean in and watch and, and, and value adding, maybe share it. 
On Instagram, we know it's different because all videos turn into reels, every type of video, and no matter how long, whatever. But on Facebook, I don't think it's ever likely to change. We've got too many different types of video on Facebook. So play around with that. You could try one day you're going to do an actual reel, and the other day you'll just post a main feed video and test that up for yourself. How long is a reel on Facebook before it's no longer a reel? I'm positive it's a minute and a half. Okay. They might change that just recently, but I think it's a minute and a half right now. So when we're posting videos on Facebook, are there anything we can do to kind of engage people with video that maybe we wouldn't do with a regular post? I would imagine with video, most people are not commenting, right? But those that are commenting, would you suggest engagement with them or what's your thoughts on that? Oh gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, live, you know, it's interesting, Mike, live streaming on Facebook is actually still one of the best performing types or content formats regardless of page size, followers, length of video, obviously has to be good content, but it's actually one of the least used. I think over the years, people have just gotten a little tired of it. It takes effort. It does take a little bit of effort, get camera ready, know what you're going to say, et cetera, et cetera. But Facebook Live for sure. And that's one way when you do have people join you on live, you can definitely engage them more and asking questions. You can use, you know, I know you, you like to use StreamYard. I use uh, Ecamp or Max. You can put people's comments up on the screen. It can be very engaging. And, and one of the cool things you can do is to integrate, potentially integrate a chat bot where people put a specific comment trigger, a specific word or phrase in the comments. And then that starts with the, the DM uh, conversations. I know you've had a guest on your podcast talking about that or just having them go join your group from there, driving the calls to actions. And if you're doing a live and it doesn't get a whole lot of live viewers speak to the people who are going to watch the replay because there will be more people who will catch the replay as well. Get into conversation too. I like to have people talking to one another and how they, Facebook really loves that, right? Where there, it's not just you and them, it's their audience talking to one another in the comments. Yeah. For folks that want to uh, check out that interview is called Instagram DM automation strategy with Natasha Takahashi Willis. A fascinating conversation that goes down the chatbot rabbit hole. Let's talk about non-video posts on Facebook, what can we do to kind of get some engagement on some of those kinds of posts? What do you recommend? I call, well, I think Facebook calls it this too, Manta, is uh, is just the background color. So, and you got a limited amount of characters. It's treated as a text post. It's not an image post, but it looks like an image and it's really big font. And you can get into that in Meta Business Suite or Creator Studio or right on your main wall, desktop or mobile. And so come up with a series of like really poignant questions that people would feel compelled to answer, not just silly things, unless that's your style and your people are fine with that. And, and it maybe you do it maybe two to three times a week. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it daily, but it really can spark the algorithm and get significantly more reach and certainly more engagement. I love that format. And you'll find you're maybe limited on the types of colored backgrounds that uh, Meta offers Facebook, but you can get in there and find something that's relevant. They even have like just plain ones. I know Social Media Examiner, your team uses those periodically as well. And that's, that's a really good format to try and integrate in. Yeah. What I love about it is oftentimes we use it to ask people questions about what they think about something. And then maybe we'll in the comments have a post to an article written by a news entity, right? Like if, for example, a certain social platform announced some new feature, we might say, what do you think about this new feature from Instagram, for example? And then in the comment, we'll have, here's where you go for more information, not written by us because we don't cover the news in that kind of capacity. And then what happens is really 
pretty rich conversation happens inside that comment section. You know what I mean? And it's like, and sometimes you have people that disagree with each other and all of a sudden you got these crazy threads, but Facebook likes that. Do they not? I mean, like <laughs> and that's where your team can come in and start engaging with people as well. Right. I totally agree. And I also love to see that in my group. You know, I lead a, a pretty large free group. It's private, but it, it's kind of treated like public because it's any, open to anybody, but it's called social scoop and or Mari Smith social scoop. And yeah, invariably, I will come up with a topic, you know, just recently was posting about the Twitter blue and would you pay for the blue check? And it's like, whoa, it's a bit of a controversial, you know, people are going back and forth a lot. Speaking of which, I want to circle back to something you just said. Let's talk about links, links, putting a link in a comment versus in a post. The format you and I were just talking about with the background color, you don't put a link in there. That's just text. And so it'd be fine to put a link in the comment, especially when it's not, you know, driving people elsewhere. But there's, there's just this great debate. I was just doing a Facebook Live broadcast recently about this myself on my page about just exploring in depth. Look, does it make a difference if you do a link post where it actually gives you the link preview versus a photo with a link in the caption or a video with a link in the caption or you leave the link up altogether and you put the link in the first comment? And uh, for the longest time, Mike, I have always said, don't put the link in the first comment. The moment somebody goes to share your post, that link is not going with the post. Then I was looking at that Facebook or Meta Transparency Center with the most widely viewed content. And as you well know, the, the most viewed content on Facebook does not have links in it. And so I'm like, dang it. Well, but wait a minute, we have to qualify that because the most widely viewed content on Facebook accounts for half a percent of all content seen on Facebook. So when they drill into that little report, then uh, they're only looking at a small slice of content. But all that to say, Mike, I am conducting my own test on my page right now. I've always been, no, don't put the link in the comments. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try it. And we'll just see I'm in the midst of doing some tests myself right now, does it make a difference to the reach and the engagement and the, and the clicks? I mean, it, it intuitively makes sense that not putting a link in the main post is going to help you because we know for a fact that Facebook doesn't want anyone leaving the platform, right? So if you can do it without a link, I think it's probably worth doing. We've spent a lot of time talking about video, these background color posts, chat bots, and some of the variations. I want to zoom in on groups, right? Or community destinations, I guess we can call them. You can do only so much with the Facebook page, right? Because you are competing with every single other person, not necessarily company, but person, right? All the friends of Mari Smith, all the friends of Michael Stelzner, right? Are competing for my limited amount of time that I'm on the Facebook platform. So let's talk about like bringing someone from this larger community, if you will, down into this smaller community with this community destination concept. Talk to us a little bit about groups and how we can use them to really nurture a community. Yeah, this is one of the features that has really stood the test of time throughout all of Facebook's life. And it's an incredibly powerful tool uh, having a Facebook group or multiples. And the main two differentiators are public or private. And they recently, Meta, Facebook recently rolled out a change for public, by the way, that the, they're not no longer members. You're not a member of a public group. You're a follower. And now, as I don't see a lot of difference between having a public page and a public group. There doesn't really seem that much, you know, different. Well, just to clarify, a public page is different than a regular page? The public is business page. Okay. Business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, but the features are different, obviously, right? That's one of the big differences, right? What you can do inside of a group. Well, yeah, public group, you can share, right? The share button is automatically 
on every post in a public group. It's functioning basically like a page. The difference, I guess, is just it's a bit more like general topics. They could be specific topics. I personally don't have public groups. I just don't want to run a public group. I like private and I like private visible. So anybody can find it and they can request to join. And then we can have questions and we can ask qualifying questions. And I use that as top of funnel because I ask for their email address. We get, you know, 60, 70% conversion rates, not bad. And then the, the other, they used to call it secret, which is the invisible. You can have a completely, you know, private, invisible group, which is a totally different purpose. To me, I like the private group because it just feels more intimate. It's like being inside of a closed room versus like the big wide unknown. It's just a powerful way to offer tremendous value to your community. So a public group, anybody can post into that and everyone will see it. That's part of that group. That's the difference between that and a page, right? Because on a page... When someone posts something, they can only DM it to the page, right? So the one, remember we were talking about the difference between like a, a page that's public versus a group that's public. So with a group, anybody can post into it and it's more like a forum, right? That's the distinct differentiator is that you can post into that public group. Now with private group, you said there's, what do they call it? Visible and invisible. Visible and invisible. So if it's invisible, it means you got to have a link to it. Is that how that works? Is that what that means for? No, even if you have a link to it, you have to be invited and added. You have to be added by a friend. Got it. So if you're going to have a key, like just your employees or something into a group, that would be like an example of an invisible group, right? And in your case, your group is private, but visible, but you could also have a private group that's visible for, I would imagine, social media marketing world, for example, right? Like people can find it, but they've got to go ahead and fill out a form to prove that they're a customer and then they would be brought into the group, right? Um, that That's the distinction. I sure will. One quick thing to close the loop on the public. They have made some changes whereby con even content in public groups can be found in Google searches. And if I'm remembering correctly, that even people who are not on Facebook can see and post in public groups. Wow. It's crazy. This is just a big giant open forum. So there's great, great uses for it, but who knows? I think for businesses, private is better. So then the alternatives is part of the sea change because of, circle back to those hashtags I mentioned, <laughs> Facebook frustration and, and Facebook fatigue. If you are one of the marketers, it's just like, oh, you know what? Facebook drives me crazy. I, I don't know. My, a lot of my audience are like, oh, I don't use Facebook as much. Maybe they're just not on as much. And you're like, I really want to host a community on an alternative platform. And, and this is not to say you're going to leave Facebook. It could absolutely be both and, and that's what I've chosen to do. I love Mighty Networks. I launched a, a platform back in March of 2022 called Mari Smith Superstars. It's free to join. You've also got Circle. Thinkific is a course platform. They added a community element. Kajabi is a popular online business platform. They recently acquired a community platform. Or you could just start lightly and go, you know what, I'm going to do a community on Slack or Discord or Telegram. Those are all just fine to, to host a community that you're maybe going to hand invite certain parts of your, your audience at large, you know, so there's different purposes. You want to jump into that? Yeah, I just, I actually want to drive into more community development in general inside of, regardless of what the source is, right? Whether you're going to do it on Facebook or you're going to do it on Mighty Networks, or you're going to do it in Discord. What do we need to be thinking about as far as like just really creating a community that people want to come back to? Well, I know it's like when I hear the phrase add value, it's been like used ad nauseum for the last 15 years. It's like, well, what does add value mean? It means like really making sure that you provide information, content, 
And doesn't I just have to be content? It's like with my social scoop, I, I have a, it's a container I'm providing a key container for other people to connect and add and add value to each other to support. And then the people come in with a an issue or they're looking for help or whatever, and other people chime in. So it's really important wherever, if you're going to use a Facebook group and or a third-party platform, you want to have this really strategic purpose. And so, for example, jump in and give you an example. Yeah. User groups are great. One I want to give as an example is Canva. Canva Design Circle, I, th- I think it's one of the, the coolest groups. They have over 275,000 members and it is officially run by Canva. People share their designs and they're talking about new tools and whatnot. Mine and my own, my Marsmith Social Scoop, we've got 22,000 members. That I call a collaborative support community because it's there to get support. It's not just for my customers. It's for all like social media marketers and whatnot. And then paid groups. These are just some use cases, examples, paid groups for programs or courses. You've got your social media marketing society. And I have groups for every single course that I do, which is really a powerful way for, for peers to connect with one another and to get additional value, right? Let's talk a little bit about how to actually create a really good culture inside of a group and possibly even a purpose because some people listening right now might not have a group yet or might not have a community or they might have one and it's floundering and they're thinking of starting a different one. So what could we be doing at the beginning to ensure or to increase the likelihood that we have something that's, you know, going to head in the right direction? Honestly, I think having some solid rules and guidelines is a critical part of that because when people come in, they want to feel safe. They want to feel, okay, is this somewhere, is this one of those communities where the lights are on, but nobody's home, <laughs> you know, or, or like home alone where the kids could just play and go crazy and whoever the owner of the group is, is just kind of not even there. So it's important to have like really great moderators. That's a big, big part of the, of the, the culture. And to just have, I, <laughs> this is Mari term. I have zero tolerance policy for shenanigans, as I call it. So you're not allowed to be, you know, spammy or critical or overly negative or just inappropriate or constantly self-promotion or anything like that. I just, you know, I don't give people a lot of slack in that way. It's like, what do you do when that happens? Just out of curiosity, you just boot them. We just have to get rid of them. Yeah. And then sometimes we do in a case by case basis. If it's somebody I personally know, or they've been normally they're adding value and they just one time posted a link, you know, I might DM them and go, ah, you know, you're just stepping into the gray zone there. We don't normally allow that. We just had to do that recently with somebody. <laughs> Both you and I know, but it's okay. And you know why? You know why? Because if Facebook was popping up that thing, this person went to share something from their page and Facebook's like, hey, why don't you share it to all of these groups? Right, 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 right. (laughs) I love that you're talking about rules and guidelines. Are there a couple of examples of rules and guidelines that maybe you think are universal that people might want to borrow or use in their groups? Yeah, yeah. The good news is that Facebook actually offers some very, very easy to use templated ones. I would recommend keep it short and simple. Don't go too crazy. Some of mine and all my groups are like, be kind, courteous, and positive. Treat everyone with respect. Uh, Respect all members' privacy. What's shared in the group stays in the group. That's obviously hard to monitor. You don't know who's screenshotting and whatever. We absolutely say no self-promotion, no links, no DM me type of posts. And every now and again, some things fall through, but but generally speaking, it's just it keeps a very tight policy. I think you might do some of the same in, in your own society. So then people just know, okay, this is a, a really tight group and I, I can feel safe here. When we talk a little bit about purpose, is there a way, and I, I don't remember how all this works, but is there a way when you first sign up for the group to state this is what the purpose of the group is and this is who this is for? And if so, is there certain language we ought to consider putting into that at that 
point? That's a great question, you know, because there's, uh, it's in the about, this is the description of the group is under the about section. And there's only like a few lines is where it just gives you a few lines and then you have to see more. And whether it's desktop or mobile that people are looking at either public groups different now because we just follow it, but a private visible. And then you can also enable the setting that says, you know, moderators and admins are the only ones that can approve members, which I, I like, I like that setting it just keeps it tight. But yeah, you want to put very clear in the first you know, line or two, this is what this group is and who is for. This is what we do here. And maybe even mentioning a couple of the rules. And, and you know, if it's for something like a paid program, you say, oh, this group is exclusively for people who are part of this program. Here's the link to go and get your ticket. Very interesting. You mentioned moderators. Let's talk a little bit about moderation and maybe who should be moderating these groups and what exactly should you let them do versus you doing as the admin of the group? Yeah, yeah, great question. Depending on the size of the group and how busy and active it is, I've seen some folks where they like they've they've started a group and it's just gone crazy and it's just like whoa, all of a sudden a big flurry of members, which is a good thing. So you could absolutely ask for volunteers who are just going to happily, you know, and they can get a little they get a little badge on their name as a moderator, and then you could actually pay. You know, I have paid moderators in my team. The key though, Mike, whether they're volunteers or paid or whatever the scenario is, is you want to have proper training and you're going to have, you know, proper procedures that when this happens, you do this. You know, if someone's reporting something as spam, well, then you jump in it and you handle it right away kind of thing, you know. And so proper training would be the thing, responding promptly, resolving issues quickly. The other really cool thing that I don't hear other people speaking about, which is really important, is is just to have your moderators trained to spot buying signals. And so if they're possibly on the market for something you sell and you have a really good moderator goes, oh, did you know Mari Smith has this course it's called Facebook Organic Marketing Masterclass. Here's the link to sign up. And so <laughs> it just comes across more authentic when your moderator is, to, is putting it out there and, and as a way to help people. I love that. And I think that's so cool. Even if you have a paid group, like in our case, the Social Media Marketing Society, if the moderators know what goes down at Social Media Marketing World, they might say you might want to consider going to Social Media Marketing World because there's going to be some workshops on that, for example, right? Exactly. It feels natural because they're supporting the question that's been asked in this particular situation. So I love that. I think that's, I think that's so cool. How many moderators do you need really based on the size of the group? Do you have any sense of that? Okay, I have 22,000 members of which we have maybe 8,000 are active in any given time period. You know, Facebook gives you those numbers. And I have one, there's myself and Adair, and she's phenomenal. She's absolutely amazing. You know, before that, I had one, Felix, who was phenomenal, and he ended up working with you as well. Yeah. But if you have one really, really good moderator for that group of that size, then, you know, you're good to go. Do you recommend moderators interact with every comment or just the ones that aren't getting an engagement? What's your thoughts on that? Correct. Yeah. So that's our policy. Like if, if we see a post in social scoop, that's getting a lot of traction and someone's getting the support that they've asked for from the members, you know, Adair or myself would not necessarily chime in, but if we always make sure that every post gets at least one response. So if nobody else, if somebody's asked for help or the breaking news or talking about a new feature, then we give them a little message, you know, and Adair's always, she'll let me know in any 24 hour period. Oh, so-and-so needs a response here and I'll, I'll chime in 
when I can. I think there's an opportunity potentially as you are have something inside of a group, any group in any one of these platforms we're talking about to potentially cultivate deeper relationships with them. Maybe it's through private messages. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Okay. So Facebook's got a lot of new features, right? They got that, the chats are calling them community chats. And then they've got, they used to call them subgroups. I think they're calling feed channels now. And so I think for larger groups, uh, having like the subgroup or the, the feed channel and there's audio ones and there's different ones. I don't know. It just seems like they're a little bit of feature bloat, quite frankly, a little bit too many features in the groups, but uh, they've really improved a lot. And I think that the chat one, you might even just put a poll. That's what I did with the feed channel. I asked my group and social group members is like, what do you think of this feed channel? They're like, oh God, one other place to check. I just want to stay with the main wall. I don't need another sub place to check in the group. And I'm like, that's how I kind of feel too. So <laughs> that's a good thing, you know. What about private DMs though with some of the members of the group? Do you recommend that or do you try to keep everything public? Yeah, that's what the community chat is. It's, it's basically like a private DM group. Now, are you talking one-on-one though or just like- I'm talking one-on-one, yeah, for developing, nurturing, yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it just, just depending on the nature of what you're going to be saying, but for example, like, like we have anytime anybody ever reports something that's inappropriate or spam. And sometimes it usually it is. And we quickly take it out, but we will always either a day or myself, we will reach out to that, the person that did the reporting and we will thank them. We want to have that like community moderating. They're doing our moderating for us you know, in that sense. So we really always acknowledge and edify one thing we do as well is that we will keep a running list of what are called top contributors. And we don't look at Facebook's has that metric in there. The top contributor is the people who have posted the most and commented the most. Well, sometimes they might be complaining or they might be, you know, it might not be that, you know, I'm going to spotlight somebody who's like so active, but maybe it wasn't that additive. And so we have our own method where we'll keep track of people who are really are contributing incredible value. And then we'll do like, once a quarter or so, I'll, I'll do a post and call out these folks and really edify and acknowledge them and thank them, you know. I know that you share content into your group that you do not share other places. So talk about this concept of exclusive content shared inside of a group. Yeah, yeah. I often will break news first in my social scoop. I'll get their opinion or something or do a poll or I'll, I'll know that something's coming down the line. And I'll, it, it really has that feeling of being almost like um, an inner circle. And, and I notice even the way in which I communicate is very different in my private group versus on my page or publicly at large or in my emails even, but it's just different. It just, you have that bond with these members. So I love being able to share exclusive content in the group. And, and sometimes it might be an exclusive deal, right? Because it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm paying to have this group moderated and, and it, t- it costs money to have this group even though I'm in it for free. So I want to derive business results over time. And so I'll certainly post like exclusive deals and offers and invitations, you know, my courses and whatnot, or speaking engagements. So, you know, one thing that probably someone listening wants me to ask you is about the everyone tag. So tell me about that. First of all, explain what it is and then explain your views on it. I think that honest to goodness, Facebook keeps coming up with these ways to just bring back time on site, right? So not, it's not available in all groups. It's certainly some of the larger groups I haven't seen it in, but most of the smaller groups will have, you know, whether you've got thousands of members or whatever, you go into your little publisher and you start to type at, and then the word everyone with no space. What that does is it tags, it notifies every single member of your group, which is shoves a little notification in their notifications Mari Smith just tagged you in this post or, you know, your name, of course. And 
at first, when this rolled out a few months ago, people freaked out and they left groups in droves because what it did is it reminded a lot of us that we were in groups that we didn't even want to be in, right? She's like, holy moly. And the people, marketers were ruining it. Mike, they're tagging everybody because, hey, buy my stuff, everybody in my group. So it's like this fine line to walk to make sure that if you are going to use the at everyone tag, make sure that it's like a really sensitive, like you're sensitive to the use of it. And you probably will lose some people, but maybe not. I only ever use it in my paid programs. If I'm once or twice, I'll pop it in there going, just reminded you, you know, we're going live today or the class starts at this time or something like that. Yeah, the jury's out for me. By the way, you heard it here first, Mike. Rumor has it. We might be having an at friends on the personal profile and an at followers on the public pages or business pages. Could you imagine tagging everybody? Jeez, that's crazy. Well, my understanding is at everyone in Facebook groups is limited once per day. Is that correct? Correct. Thank goodness. Yes, it is. Thanks for clarifying that. I can imagine if there's really important breaking news, there might be an exception if you're in your social scoop, right? On Facebook group, and there's some crazy big news that you want everybody to know about. I would imagine that might be something you could try, but I hear you proceed with caution because everybody's going to get the notification. And it's really deceiving at first because it sounds like they're tagging you, but it says you and others. And that's where it gets really kind of like deceptive on Facebook's part. Like, I'm not going to lie. I don't like it. And I'm in groups where they do it every day and it bugs me. And I wish I could just shut it off. There is probably a way for me to mute all notifications from a group, right? Isn't there? There is. Yes. From the groups, go into your group notifications, but also even just under the little bell, either on desktop or mobile is tap the little three dots next on the notification itself. And, and one of the options that pops up is says, don't tell me about these kinds of, of tags or reminders. Ah, okay, cool. Well, Mari, we've just scratched the surface of Facebook today and all the things that you can do to try to develop and, you know, really engage with the community on Facebook. If people want to follow you, or get into your communities, where do you want to send them? Well, certainly the social scoop is facebook.com slash groups. Actually, the, the URL is Mari Smith Leaders at social scoop. I used to call it Mari Smith Leaders. That's why it's called that. And then also the course you mentioned at the beginning is marismith.com FBOM, which is spelled F-B-O-M-M, all lowercase. It's an acronym for Facebook Organic Marketing Masterclass. Mari Smith, thank you so much for answering all my questions about Facebook. Really appreciate your time today. And we'll see you at Social Media Marketing World. You got it. Lovely being here again. If you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 545. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.